blessing it is to be a, the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church and to see the children of Calvary, some of them there God has placed me as under uh, shepherd of, and also Miss Anna Grace, she wrote that song. I'm thankful that my youth understand the right of life, that we're conservative enough. We don't care what the world says, but we can stick to what God has already said. Tonight is truly hard for me. I preached on abortion a less than a month and a half ago. And it is something, Brother Rue, I take no joy in. Um, it's a struggle. So I will tell you this tonight. I will not even make an attempt to be politically correct, although I'm not a person that does anything. But on this issue here, I will not recant. I will not tire down, and I will not crawl away from the issue of abortion. I will not. I'm not even going to give you my opinion tonight, nor will I discuss the views of the Republican Party, Democratic Party, Independent Party, or the Tea Party. I'm not going to discuss what the Supreme Court says, talk show host, or any news networks. Those views and what everyone thinks, even my opinion, is ultimately meaningless or means nothing. Means nothing. For God has already spoken. So it doesn't matter what you think, what you feel, or what your opinion is. God has spoken. What I will do is I'm going to give you the truth. And the source of, of that truth will come from where all truth is found. God's Word. We will allow God's Word to give us the answer of when life truly begins. I am embarrassed tonight. And it is a shame today that preachers in this country that God has so greatly blessed and which was founded upon Christian morals that was said in the word of God would have to stand behind God's pulpit and preach on such matters as abortion. Before January 23rd of 1973, preachers didn't have to preach on abortion. And there's many that won't do it today. Probably more won't today than will. In our community today, there will be men that will say they are called preachers to the gospel, say they have been redeemed, and never take a spiritual stance on abortion. Never take God's side. Never stand on the side of righteousness because who it may offend. I'm not worried of your opinion. And neither is God. He has spoken. I will not, though, allow the school systems, elected officials, protesters, or the reprobate that can write a book. Tell God's people, tell our children, tell my children, tell your grandchildren and my grandchildren, I will not rob them of the truth of the word of God of when life begins. We need no one else's opinion 
God is spoken. When does life begin in the womb? On the issue of abortion, the murder of children, at one time our nation looked upon uh, abortion for what it was, as evil of the worst sort. But not today. Today it is broadcast freely, not from some back alley, not from whispering tones, but on billboards. We see it. So tonight, And I said that because I'm going to get on that straight and narrow. I'm not getting in the ditch. I'm not going to wade to one side. I'm going to go right down the middle because that's where God's word puts you. We're going to go down the straight and narrow tonight. Lord, have mercy this morning. Then all this rain that's passed. Every day, someone's probably telling you, boy, it's pretty you know, as we look at what God has given to mankind, as we look at all the wonders of creation, we see all the beauty that's created as we've seen these, uh, all these flowers springing up. You look into these river bottoms or these creek bottoms now and everything's turning green. Makes you think you're going to see a turkey around every tree. Huh. Well, God's been so good to mankind all the beauty of God's creation and I've had the opportunity, I've lived in the Car uh, North Carolina so I've lived in the mountains, I've been in the uh, Caribbean, in the Cayman Islands I've been out west and up north and I have seen many beautiful, wonderful flowers but none of these has ever been so humbling none of God's creation that I've ever took in and seen all of its splendor has ever humbled me as I was humbled when I looked into the little browned up red wrinkled faces of my mama Never have I been so humbled with all of God's creation until I got to see those granddaughters born and grandsons born that God had blessed me with. Never have I been so humbled by God's creation until I seen that. What a God. You know, Jesus Christ came to redeem mankind. And I'm going to tell you, out of all God's creation, Jesus Christ didn't come to save a sunset. Jesus Christ didn't come to save a sunrise. Nor did he come to save an ocean or anything that lives beneath it. Jesus Christ did not come to uh, die on the cross of Calvary to save dogs, cats, or an ivory-billed woodpecker. No, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, came and died to redeem mankind. It is mankind that God has crowned as the jewel of his creation. 
It is God that's been, uh, that has put mankind aside and had desired a fellowship with him. A gazelle will not be held accountable for what he does in Africa today. A lion will not be accountable for killing that gazelle. But I'm going to tell you, God's people, we're fixed to be held accountable for these abortions. The day of reckoning's coming. If God, in all of his mercy, come upon the nation of America and said, Gary, I'm going to let you decide. I've got to judge America. Time is uh, uh, here. Judgment is ripe. I have to bring judgment because I'm holy. But I'm going to let you choose which one. I'm going to let you choose what sin you'll allow me to punish. And I'm going to tell you, abortion never be brought up on my watch. So when does, what is the time that life begins? When does the human life start? Is it at birth as we see these children pulled into the nursery hospital? Isaiah starts giving us some answers to that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The man who wrote of the birth and the death of Jesus Christ hundreds of years before he come, Isaiah 49 says, This O wiles unto me, and hearken ye people from far, the Lord hath called me from the womb. From the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. And then in verse 5, And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant. The gospel of Luke records of life from the womb and a calling upon that life from the womb. Luke chapter 1, verse 44 says, For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salvation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And also this text that we're going to get to tonight, Psalms chapter 139, if you would turn there. Psalms 139, we'll start a reading there in verse 13 of that passage. In the text that we're going to look at in Psalms 139, starting in verse 13, we're going to see that the psalmist also talks about uh, life of a little human being from the womb. Now let me tell you something. I'll first tell you I'm not very educated. I'm not very smart, and most of you in this room would agree with me. But I will tell you this. Don't you let some reprobate stand in front of you and use the Latin word fetus and take away from that being a human being by using a Latin word that actually means little one. Don't let him impress you with that. It is a human being. It's a little human being, but it is a human being. So don't be, be fooled by someone that tries to show you how intelligent they are by speaking uh, the Latin language for what a child is. I'm going to tell you this. We as God's people, I'm going to challenge you. We as God's people, don't you ever use the word fetus. Is your grandbaby a fetus? Start calling mine a fetus, we're going to have a problem. No, it's a human being. Let's call it for what it is. Calvary Baptist Church, we have went as far, and I would challenge you and your pastors to do the same thing. When a young uh, lady comes up and she says that she's with child, when she's in Sunday school, we count it as two. Is she not with child? Is he not in, he or she in Sunday school? Of course they are. We take it that far. How far should we take it? 
maybe those who will say, I don't know where I truly stand on abortion. Maybe if the womb was to have a window and we could actually see the baby develop and we could see the little heart start to beat, or maybe if we could even see that heart start to beat before she even knows she's pregnant, or if we could watch as that child is... Uh, little arms start to form and develop at about six weeks and that little heart beating about 100 to 125 times a minute. At nine weeks when that baby's ears and nose are visible or at maybe ten weeks when for the first time the brain can make muscles move on purpose. Maybe if that window would look in and we could see at that 14-week mark and we could see uh, that baby is now coordinated enough to find his or her little thumb and start sucking on it. Or maybe 18 weeks as a baby's reflexes such as blink, blinking and frowning are now developed. And they already have their own unique Possibly, if we could see them at 24 weeks as their ears have developed to a point of recognizing the mother's voice, can hear her breathing, notice her heartbeat, or look in there at 34 weeks when the child's eyes are wide open and their little heads are covered with hair. then hearts could be changed. But I say this tonight. If God can't change your heart, you'll never get it. If the Word of God can't change your heart on when life begins, you'll never get it. So let's look there in Psalms 139, verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee, when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lower parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. Verse 13 tells us that the word possesses my reins. It literally means that God is the one who formed all of my internal organs. The word reins actually is translated kidneys. It is saying that God put everything together and God's in charge. You know the word of God tells us God who blesses the womb, right? You see that God forms all that in there when man has no idea what's going on. God's already been at work. These verses are telling us that God is the owner of my innermost parts. He has possessed my reins. He has possessed my reins. He has covered me in my mother's womb. He is in the most intimate parts of me before I was ever known to anyone. Yet me being unborn, I was still under the control. I was still under the guardianship of Jehovah God, moving within the womb. 
believe that? That's the truth. God is who blesses the womb. Verse 14. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth thy way. Don't you get this now, Pastor Church. Look at that passage. That my soul knoweth right well. You know why God blesses the womb? It's because God desires fellowship with mankind. So he's not going to live out a baby, surely. Be honest with you, I would probably prefer one of these children to pray for me than 90% of you standing here. Amen? Think about it just a minute. God desires a fellowship with mankind. Don't you think that he just leaves a child in the dark of a womb and doesn't mess with him? No, it says that we are uh, wonderfully and fearfully made. We have, we've got something going on. There's a presence of God even in the womb. You know why? Because God wants to dwell with mankind. God wants a conviction. God wants a drawing. One day, that's why he says, a man says there's no God, the fool. See, God starts at conception dealing with the soul of human beings. He said, I possess it. He starts dealing in the womb. You know, it's nothing to tell a child and get them to believe in Jesus. You know why? Because they've heard it since conception that God's already there. God's already there. God's already in place something in human beings that makes them know there truly is a God. Verse 15, my substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, curiously wrought in the lower or lower part of the earth. My substance literally means my bone structure, my entire skeletal frame. I want to tell you how much I believe God's in control. You take an artist, some of the greatest artists of all time, you take that artist and they said that they would lock themselves in a studio somewhere and they would labor, labor, and labor all day, all night alone and would not stop until their work was complete. Even so did the Lord fashion us where no eyes could see us and the veil was not yet lifted until God had completed the work within the womb on Gary Carter. And then the completed work of creating mankind happened when you see it possible. But God's already been there. Curiously rolled in the Hebrew is translated in broadry, it is God who's put everything together. It's God that has sown all of mankind uh, together. And something that confuses me about these liberals, something that confuses me about these folks that don't know where they stand on abortion, what do they think that child is? An eagle, perhaps? Maybe it's a coon. It's a human at the moment of conception. Now, it doesn't take a scientist to give you that answer. God's Word gives you that answer. It doesn't take uh, a 
master's degree to get this figured out. No, God's already spoken at conception. Look there with me at verse 16. This passage, I studied this. The Lord showed me this about a week ago as I just opened up and was meditating in His Word, prayed over His Word. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being imperfect. And in thy books all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. I see italicized words, there are seven of them. I can see this was hard to translate. I can see in the Hebrew they had some problems trying to get this translated and shook out of what were being told in God's word. But when you start putting all that to, together, it's like an architect. I'm going to explain this. It's like an architect that draws out their plans. Brother Chris Barnes are building a new church. He fully understands that. Okay? That architect puts all these plans together. They will lay out all of the specifications that goes with that planning. Well, let me say this. Even so did God, that great maker of our frame. He wrote down all of our members in the book of his purpose. We have eyes, ears, hands, feet due to the wise, all-knowing, gracious purpose of glory. It was so ordered by God that all things are as they are. He doesn't make a mistake in gender. It was so ordered by God, uh, all things are as they are. God's purpose is uh, concern over our being, our form, and our shape. Everything about us has been appointed by God long before we ever had any physical existence. I want you to see this book that was written right here. I want you to get it about this book. Look there, it says, Thine eyes did see my substance yet being imperfect. And in thy book, in thy book, all my members were written in continuance, were fashioned, when as yet there were none of them. What it is, is God saw us before we could ever be seen. And out of love, he wrote about us when there was nothing to even write about, God was writing about. Everything about us was before the eyes of God. It was in his sketchbook of love. It was in his sketchbook of grace. His sketchbook of mercy, foreknowledge, and his power. God has always known me. Always. He's not always known me. He's always loved me. He's always sought me. He's always desired fellowship with me. God had a plan with Isaiah. Had a plan for his life from the womb. God had a plan for David from the womb. And he had a plan for John the Baptist from the room and, uh, womb. And praise God, he has a plan for you. And praise God, he has a plan for me. And all who will ever be conceived uh, will be. A plan put in place for you. And man has no right to destroy it. It is God who give, is the giver of life and it is God who is the taker of life because he knows all things. Psalms chapter 51 verse 5 says, True, I was born guilty. I was a sinner from the moment my mother conceived me. 
being told in this passage. The psalmist saying, I'm a sinner. From conception, I was a sinner. And the only way to be a sinner is to have a soul, and the only way to have a soul is to be human. Pretty well sums it up. Two verses. I can actually take two verses of, of Scripture. I will not debate this with an idiot. I'm not going to. Not going to argue the fact of what God's already said. God says that I was born guilty. I was a sinner at the moment of conception. And then in the book of Exodus it says, Thou shall not kill. I need nothing else to stand on but that. It's settled. I'll ask you a question that I thought on. When did God sitting there and an angel showed up. He said, you've been highly favored. Fear not, for that which is conceived in you is of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, when Jesus Christ was conceived in the womb of a virgin, it was at the time of conception, and still Jesus Christ was Lord just as much as he is right now. When was Jesus Christ Lord? At conception, when he became man. Sums it up. I need no other explanations. I don't have the truth. I don't need anything else. Man, that settles it for us. 46 years of debate. It is settled in my heart. God has spoken. Life begins when God says it begins. And God says it begins at conception. I need no other explanation. The only difference between a child at the moment of conception and a child that lives and breathes and cries in the mother's arms is nine months. That's it. It is time, time, time is the only difference in it. The only difference between a child at uh, the time of conception and those that sung right there is time is the only difference. baby needs all that he or she requires is the time to become children that are born outside of their mother years ago for the most part 2,000 years the western world considered the killing of children most heinous of all crimes. Doctors who would perform such deeds had their license revoked or they were in prison or they'd just run out of the place. We have sat around as God's people and we've allowed this to go on for 60 years. We say, well, once a year, the preacher's going to say something about it and it's going to be in our bulletin. And you know, if we get real spry, we may go up here and walk a half a mile. And 
think, whoa, we've done all we can do. Then we'll say, well, you know, the election's coming up, and we're going to just vote our conviction. We're going to vote godly convictions. Well, I'm going to tell you, we've sat around here for 46 years begging of the Democratic Party to stop it. We've asked the Republican Party to stop it. I think we need to go to the real resource to get it stopped and let God's church stop it. The very reason today that we have legalized marijuana in the state of Arkansas is because we allowed it to happen, God's people. The very reason that we have gambling and these lottery tickets that's going everywhere that people are digging out of a trash can like a dog is because the church allowed it. And we sit in our little comfortable seats and just sit back and dream. Well, it don't seem to work. The reason that we see this heresy, the reason that we see all of the filth and the reason we have to go into convenience stores and there's magazines in those convenience stores that our children can see with filth on it is because the church is set back and never said a word. You know why we have to play ball games on Sundays, Brother Tim? You know why all stars is happens on Sundays? Because the church let it happen. The church let it happen. That's the reason it's happening. I'm going to tell you, it's time now for God's people to finally stand up and say we're putting stop to this. And I'm going to tell you, we've already gained victory. My God has never lost the first battle. He's never lost the first fight. And so therefore we can't lose this one. We're on the side of righteousness. It's time for God's people to start standing up. Start standing up. Here in World War II, America waited a long time. All of our European allies are crying out, we need your help. We need your help. They've already occupied France. They're moving towards England right now. We got to have your help. And it wasn't until the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor that America decided to get into it. As all of Europe was crying out of uh, needing help from the oppression of Nazi Germany and uh, of the Japanese army, when they kept crying out long enough, America stepped up and 245,000 American lives were killed taken during World War II. Not many years after that, in the early 50s, we saw that the North Koreans and the Satan's politics of communism moved into South Korea and started occupying that country, forcing communism down their throat, killing people. They cried out needing help. 38,000 American lives were taken in Korea to free that land that's still free today. Vietnam, 1965. South Vietnamese cried out, we've got to have help. We're being occupied by North Vietnam. They're taking us. They cried and they cried and America answered the call and 58,000 Americans gave their lives. stand up and say I'm going to stand against it whatever the cost who will sound off our children 
It's time for God's people, the redeemed, to start standing up and stepping out. We need to be heard on the matter in which they call abortion, which is murder. You know, now, some will tell you. Some will tell you, you know, well, you see, that's the mother's body. She has the right over her own body. And they're absolutely right. She does have the right over her body. Agree 100%. But that which is placed within her is not her body. She carries that. I know of no woman living today that has two hearts, four lungs, and 20 fingers. Or 20 toes. She's going to mess a pair of flip-flops up, ain't she? Most of the time, the child in which she is carrying has a different blood type than she does. That child, that precious God-given life has been conceived and plugged into her, that mother as a life support system. And that child is a human being with a soul that God has placed in that mother. It was common practice in the Roman Empire for 99 out of 100 families to kill every girl after the birth of her firstborn. Boy, that sounds pretty tough, doesn't it? Pretty harsh. When the Roman Empire failed, the killing of babies stopped. And that hand of death of Satan didn't reach back into the womb and start stepping out life until it became acceptable again in the Western culture when the fall of the Christianity or Christian conscience of the 20th century that started first in Soviet Union, then in Nazi Germany, and then went across Western Europe. And now it's in the land of the free. America. We started late. But we've caught up. We're number one in the world's abortions of killing our babies. Number one. Seems to be over. God help us. I say today, if God's people will not stand against the issue of abortion and the issue of life, where will we stand? If you will not stand on this issue, what issue will you ever stand on? If you won't stand here, where? If you won't now, when? And if you, if not you, who will stand on it? I'm sick and tired of hearing everybody run around and say, I'm on this side of pro-life. I'm on this side of pro-choice. And then everybody turns around and goes home and eats a chicken dinner and forgets the whole thing. I've stopped even using these political terms of pro-life. So what I tell you I am today, I'm anti-abortion. I'm against murder. Now, that may be offensive to some, but so be it. I am anti-abortion. I am against murder. I'm against the killing of our children. And you say, why? Because you're just that proud of America? No, because God is. And I'll stand on the side of righteousness. When abortions became legal, those who condoned the killing of babies said that now every baby would be a wanted baby. They're a liar. Do you know 
Do you know that since abortion was legalized in 1973 that uh, there's been a 600% increase in child abuse since abortion became legal? You say, that can't be right. You know why? You can't subconsciously tell a woman she can kill a child within her and not kill it afterwards. Because it's just killing. It's just killing. And we thought, the first time I ever preached an abortion sermon, I remember that it was like in the 80's that a, a child was born, I believe in West Virginia. And they said, well, he had a he was Down syndrome, but he had also a problem. His esophagus wasn't attached to his stomach, which would be a relatively easy surgery to fix. But since he was in such a terrible shape with Down syndrome, that the doctors recommended that we just don't fix his esophagus. And they allowed a baby to sit back in a back room and suffer for three days crying as stomach acids ate him away and killed him. You say, well, preacher, that's harsh. Well, nowadays, I tell you, we're wanting to kill them after we get them out. But let me tell you something about that. I've watched it. I know what it looks like. These doctors that are performing these partial birth abortions, it's what they're doing. They're turning that child around and they're executing them from the back of the head. Like a Nazi would do. Like terrorists. They never even faced the child. They rolled the child over and executed from the back of his little stomach. You know why? Because they're cowards. I've studied. I, I'll be honest that I do have an anger problem after watching some. But now there's some things I've studied to make sure of when I can be right to be mad. And you know Jesus got mad and he said you uh, be angry and sin not. Well I can tell you what it's about. How you can actually do that. You can be angry and sin not when it doesn't have anything to do with you. can't have anything to do with you. And you can get angry and sin not. Well, I'm going to tell you today, I'm mad about abortion. I'm angry about it. And as God's people, proud Americans, men, women, we need to stand up and we need to stop this because we're on the winning side. I've been reminded of uh, we say, well, the fight's too big. And I was reminded as I thought on this, as I prayed about this for weeks before this ever come about, this sermon. And I thought of Gideon as God prepared an army and he put these 33,000 people together and they gathered up. God said, that's too many. I'm going to send the cards to the house. Well, I'm going to tell you, this fight won't need cards. Just stay at the house. God don't need you. And then he weeds his army on down. Then he found out that there's some, you know, that just really ain't 100% in. God went ahead and sent them home. Left him with 300. Well, did old Gideon lose? No, he still won it. Just as David, as he stood, he asked God, what would you have me do? Brother Rule, you know it. I've heard you preach this. God said, you wait. When you hear that wind whipping in the mulberry trees, you'll know I've done went on before you. Well, I'm going to tell you, we need to get God before us. We need to stand up, not be cowards. We need to get a backbone to us spiritually, and it's going to take the study of God's Word because that's what we'll be without it. We're going to
going to need to get a godly conviction. We're going to need to go say, Lord, I want you to have this on my mind, driving this into my heart, piercing my soul daily. Make me where I won't sleep, and we can conquer abortion in America. Call out for God to do it. But I will be an instrument. I won't sit in my living room and just say, well, God, I'm going to let you do that. Because that's what we've done for 46 years now. Goes back to the divisions. I believe in the election process in the United States of America and the freedom that we possess. I believe that we could build a strong enough resistance. I believe that God's people, if they had start gathering up, that you will be elected or you will be voted out on the pure basis, the political platform, you will be elected in the state of Arkansas is where you stand on abortion. Let's quit worrying about our rights and what the, uh, the wall down there in Mexico. Let's quit worrying about uh, paying all the, uh, the, uh, the insurance packages. Let's quit worrying about our cush lifestyle, what the gas prices are doing, and why don't we just start standing up for Jesus and those that can't stand for themselves and say, Lord, you just bring me. Whatever it be, here am I, send me, I'll fight the fight. Why don't we just get that done? You know why? Because it is important. It's just not important. We just really don't care. Let's just boil it down to what it is. Well, tonight I want us to change that. I'm going to tell you, I need this. I need a changing in my heart. I need a conviction in my heart. I need a piercing in my heart to be able to stand and say, I will not tolerate it. I'm going to tell you what my objective is. My prayer is this, that God, you change America. And Lord, if we look like Iran, that we're so for. Or if we look like Kenya when we're through, if you've stopped abortions, we have won. Oh, preacher, don't be doing that now. I wish gas go to $10 a gallon. God, just keep putting it on us until it breaks us up. God's people start humbling themselves, seeking his face, repenting, getting off this cushy lifestyle that we think we've got to have and get our hearts right with God, we can abolish abortion. We can actually abolish even the word abortion because it would be such a shame for anyone to even bring up. It wouldn't be in our history books in 20 years. No one ever brings up the shame that it's brought on our nation. If I I would agree that we wait and just see how healthy it goes that way. Let's do like the doctors. Let's just set up programs we just try and find us. Set them aside. But no, before we do that though, we're going to have to tend to these issues in nursing homes. take a baby's life, you'll take an elderly person's life. Because you're a murderer. So 
therefore you'll murder anybody. I've made the comment in the uh, Calvary Baptist Church, which I have grandbabies uh, that are in the nurseries here. If there's someone at Calvary Baptist Church and they're pro-choice, I don't want kids in my children's classroom. Well, you'll say, you're going too far. No, I'm not. Because I believe it's murder. And I believe that individual deserves it. God's going to hold us accountable. I'm going to finish with this. I'm going to read you a diary from the womb of a little girl. October 14. Today my life began. My parents don't know it yet, but I'm going to be a little bitty girl. Most things have already been settled already. I'm going to have blonde hair, blue eyes, nearly everything is settled already, even that I'm going to love little birds. November 4, 2018. I've grown a little bit, but I'm still too little to do anything about myself. Oh, and I think it's so funny that my mama doesn't even know that I'm here. My heart started beating this morning, as it will for the rest of my life. November 22nd, 2018. Today the doctor told my mama that I am here. Oh, I wonder how excited she must be. I know that I want to be able to see her too, and I'm excited to see December 2nd, 2018. Oh, I'm sure growing here. My little arms are really starting to take shape. My little legs are starting to grow. But it will be a while before I'm able to run and fall into my mother's arms. December 14, 2018. My mouth is open now. My first word will be Dada. December 23, 2018. My fingers are starting to grow now. One day I'll be able to play with my mother's hair these fingers as she holds me in her arms while I can't breathe. January 1st, 2019. I wonder if mom and daddy's chosen a name for me yet. Oh, I sure hope it's not Billy. January 28th. I found out today that I can move my arms and my legs. I wonder how long it'll be before I'll be able to February 19, 2019, my mama started getting big. The reason it is is because I'm getting big and I'm growing so quick and I'm going to be a healthy little girl. March 15, 2019, my hair is really growing now. I'm so excited, it's so pretty, and I can't wait till my mother fixes it for me. And I wonder what color her hair is. March 31st, 2019. Today I was cured. God help us. God help us.
God's people to keep us and stay together and stop abortion and killing and stuff like that. We keep letting the heathen run this world with their plans and their objectives. We will move into the nursing homes in the next 20 years. Where will it stop? Where will God's people take a stand? Where will we draw a line? said I will not bow we have not to spiritually bat down and fight this fight let's stand and let's go to God dear heavenly father we come to you tonight Lord I took no pleasure in this Pray for my country tonight. Lord, I can't even pray that you bless us any longer for what we've done and sinned against you. So, Lord, I pray for mercy tonight. Lord, I pray that you'll put a conviction in God's people. And, Lord, I'm not asking it to be easy. I'm just asking you go before us. I'm not expecting to conquer anything within myself, but I'm depending upon your strength and your power and your authority. And Lord, I pray that you'll put great men and you'll put great women in places of power, that you'll put great women and great men in places to change things. And Lord, remove the enemy of our children. will be heard on the side of righteousness. And Lord, we pray this for your glory, for your honor, that you'll be exalted. It's in Jesus Christ's name I ask these things.